You have heard that it was said that climate change is caused by the greed of large corporations. But I say to you that climate change is just the symptom of a much deeper and more pervasive evil, the myth of separation. You have heard it said that the devastation of the earth and its creatures is impossible to stop because the people in the West, that would be us, will not change their consumer lifestyles. But I say to you that just knowing yourself to be a consumer has devastating consequences. We misunderstand who we are as human persons. Our reading from Matthew this morning comes toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus speaks strong words, some exaggerated, hyperbolic, like cutting off your limbs and plucking out your eye. But he is not negating the law or changing it. He's about getting to what's underneath God's intent you might say, God's values, what's really important. This reminds me of those times when I had young boys at home. I can still remember those times. <laughs> they would get into a fight. I'd go in to try and settle things down, and inevitably, with each pointing a finger at the other, the first words out of their mouths were, he started it. That seemed to them to be the law. Whoever started it was the responsible one, the one to be punished. Maybe you experience this kind of thing in your home as either a parent or a child. In any case, there's a certain sense to that law, but underneath it is something more important. Of course, the perpetrator should be called to account, but that alone will not restore the community. Jesus' in, intent is to keep the beloved community alive and well. The beloved community, so often invoked by Martin Luther King, but so apt as a description of the, the community, Jesus modeled. The inclusive community based on justice and love for one's fellow human beings. We are tied together in a single garment of destiny, caught in an inescapable network of mutuality. Those were King's words, and it is all grounded there. And as Jesus spoke of it, the community was organized on the basis of love, not force. His words are not so much aimed at our personal morality as they are with the values of the beloved community. The Jewish law, in its particularities, contains many admonitions <clears throat> that do not seem pertinent today. 
Rabbinic Judaism has, over the centuries, reinterpreted them in ways that rest on their underlying values. Jesus takes a radical position here in the sense of digging for the roots. His aim is to build and maintain that beloved community. Murder, adultery, divorce, the taking of oaths. Murder is not a good thing. Well, duh. <laughs> really, he says, we need to be thinking more broadly and deeply here. Before we get to murder, what are the ways we hurt and sometimes kill each other's spirits? How do we damage someone's self-understanding or diminish their confidence? How is it that anger can lead us to say things that do not go away, words that hurt and are carried in our bodies and memories for years to come? Life in the beloved community calls us to move toward forgiveness, the repairing of relationships, even when maybe we aren't the ones who think we need to make the first move. Tend to this before you go to the altar to ask for God's forgiveness or blessing, Jesus says. Our relationships with one another are an integral part of our relationship with the divine. They are inseparable. The ways of love in the beloved community are costly. They involve self-restraint and honoring of others, recognizing the divine in them as well as yourself, leaning on the love of God to form our relations with others, daring to stand in the simple truth of who we are, where we tell the truth and keep our promises not swearing on a stack of Bibles to justify ourselves, not looking lustfully at a woman, making her into an object, not simply tossing your wife to the side. No, the letter of the law is not enough. It just isn't. To even begin to live as a beloved community, we need to keep diving more deeply into the love that lies underneath the law. It isn't really so much about murder, adultery, divorce, and oath-taking. It's about the preciousness of relationships, the respecting of our interdependence, the costly ways of love. The costly ways of love are the ways that bring life, that honor and nurture mutuality, that strengthen relationships. Underneath all of the laws is the conviction that our relationships with one another are integral to our relationship with God. What we're trying to do here in our daily living is put ourselves in a place where the loving spirit of God can transform us into the loving people of God, into the beloved community. We fail. We fail. 
We lie and do not keep our promises. We commit adultery. We rupture relationships. We lash out in anger and do violence to one another. We're called to the work of repair, of confession and forgiveness, of standing with each other in humility. It's the standing with part that is most important, the withness of community. I began with a few reflections about climate change and in those attempted to do something similar to what Jesus was doing. Push us to the underlying call of God, to what lies underneath. Climate change, which seems to be the issue, is really a symptom of a deeper malaise what the author Charles Eisenstein calls the myth of separation. The myth of separation is that we humans are separate from each other and from the rest of creation. We talk about nature and what we really mean is resource. We visit nature then we leave and return to our separate realms of the human. This is crazy. We talk about climate as though our fires and floods here are not connected to the warming of the oceans, the disappearance of so many species of life, the immigrants at the border. The myth of separation. This is the myth that has resulted in climate change and so many other ills. It separates us from each other and from the rest of creation. It leads us to treat others as objects and to think of ourselves as self-made men or women. Worse yet, we end up thinking it's all up to me, my little separate self and I. We despair. The beloved community that Jesus is calling us to rests on the truth of our relationships. What Buddhist teacher Thich Nhat Hanh calls interbeing. The simple fact of our interwoven destinies. All existence is relational. How dependent we are on one another and the earth itself, how impossibly related we are. Coupled with the myth of separation are the various myths about who we are as human beings. Are we really just consumers? Is that my deepest self? I watched a little girl push her small grocery cart through the store the other day. And I thought about how she was already being formed into a consumer. This is how it is in our society. So when it comes to fighting climate change, what we think of is our patterns of consumption. And of course, we must think of those. They matter. But underlying all of this is the deeper truth 
that we are human beings loved by God, part of God's creation. We were made for relationship with God and with each other and the created world of which we are a part. I suggest that the costly work of love, the work that binds the beloved community together in small acts, everyday acts, acts of mutuality, of forgiveness, of reconciliation and repair, of compassion, is what we need to begin to repair the hurting earth. We can't change our consumer habits. We can't do what needs doing. But first, we need to remember who we are and how we fit into God's creation. What would it look like if we opened ourselves to the movement of the spirit, calling us out not as consumers, not to fight climate change, not to not murder, not to not commit adultery, not to not divorce, not to not swear on a stack of Bibles, but calling us out as humans to remember who we are and to live into our calling, formed from the dust of the earth, inspirited by the breath of God, to live in beloved community and to be a blessing to the earth. Amen.